0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
2: Welcome to the Kang Collects podcast. This is the very first episode, the premier episode. I'm your host, Kang Wynn. For those that don't know, my full time gig is I'm the producer of The Carson Anderson Show, heard on 97 on the ticket in Detroit, middays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So if you listen to the show, you know that I have a love and a passion for collectibles, whether it's sports trading cards. Uh, shoes, sports memorabilia, Funko Pops, whatever it is. If I, even if I don't collect it, I love hearing about it and I love learning about it. And that's what kind of this podcast is going to be about. It's just going to be talking about collectibles. I'm not an expert by any means. I'm just a straight collector. Have I sold things on eBay or uh, you know, have I set up at a show before in my life? Yes, I have. But honestly, it's just so I can. Reinvest or recollect, you know, more things that I like to buy for my personal collection. Um, I'm gonna, you're gonna hear about this a lot or, you know, throughout my podcast and things like that, but you'll know that if you follow me on any of my social medias, I personally collect, I PC Michael Jordan basketball cards. Um, I will buy baseball cards as well of Michael Jordan, but mostly I like to collect Michael Jordan cards. Um, I buy other sports, I buy vintage, modern, Ultra modern, so I'm into all of it. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a sneakerhead by any means, but I love shoes. I've, I buy plenty of shoes. I've resold shoes that sometimes, like I said, I'm not a, a flipper or investor. But sometimes the price is too good not to sell something, and and basically I just take that money and just you know buy more Michael Jordan stuff for my personal collection. That's what I like to do. It's not something I'm doing for money. It's just you know my free time. It's something I enjoy to do. I love. I love it because it's kind of like my happy place. I get to get away. You know, I, I have two young children. I'm married. Full time gig, so it's hard to find time to relax. And when I get to sit down and just kind of look through my cards or open a pack of cards, it's just a t- you know a moment to get away from things and enjoy you know some time away from the family and the hectic life. And just life gets in the way of a lot of things. Of course, I've been passionate about sports my whole life, but I was also passionate about cards since I was a little kid. My parents uh, didn't have a ton of money growing up, so when I grew up, I grew up in the 90s, and it was a junk wax era, and cards weren't expensive. Now, I wasn't getting boxes or anything like that, but I was definitely able to afford a pack or two you know, when I was younger. and. The thrill of opening a pack and maybe finding for me a Michael Jordan card for anybody else, whatever card or player their favorite player was. You know, there's something about that. You know, it takes you, and when you do it as an adult, it takes you back to a time, a carefree time, when you didn't have all the responsibilities of like having a family, a a full time job, and kids, like, and things like that. So, and that's why I kind of decided to start this podcast. Um, I wanted to, you know, it's another way for me to kind of relax and step away from talking hardcore sports every single day. I started collecting when I was young, like I said. I can remember to this day. Uh, I got handed, you know, some nineteen—I think eighty-nine, nineteen ninety—hoops packs from some, um, my some friends or family members. And since I was already into sports, it was an easy, you know, transition for me to you know read stats on the back, to look at the pictures in the front. You know, that was just really cool to me. But what really started it for me, and what uh, you know. What uh jarred something loose, Tiger, as they say, was in 1990. Skybox came out. Skybox basketball cards, and for those that don't know this, you might want to look Google it. Depending, I don't know how old you are listening, but those were the ones with like kind of the copper, gold, metallic type—not metallic, but gold, copper borders—and in the front of the card was a player and maybe a defender, but the background was almost like. It was a computer-generated or just something that wasn't, you know, wasn't natural, like laser beams or whatever. Because up to that point, the only basketball cards, or baseball cards, or football cards that I had seen were basically photos, you know, game action photos where a guy would be dribbling or shooting or running a football or hitting a baseball, and then you could see the crowd in the background and you know the grass or the court, the sky, the lights. But Skybox came out, and they didn't have any of that in the background. It was just kind of focused on the player, and I just thought the graphics were really cool. And from that point forward, I kind of just started my Jordan PC. I love that Jordan card. I have probably 30-plus raw Jordan cards of that Skybox alone. I pack-pulled a lot of them when I was a kid. And to this day, as an adult, if I see a decent-looking one for a really cheap price, because they're not expensive... It was the junk wax era. There was, they printed a ton of them. I'll, I'll still pick one up. Like I said, it's not an expensive card. It's not a rare card. I think a PSA ten gem mint are going from anywhere from one fifty to one seventy. So, and that's in a perfect condition, slabbed up. Uh, but raw, you could probably buy for two to three to four or five bucks. And I love that card. I love that card to this day and I can just sit and go through those cards and just kind of feel like, you know, like in my happy place. Like I said, when I was younger, me and a buddy of mine in the neighborhood, we would ride our bikes. I was fortunate enough to live by a card shop. So we'd ride our bikes up to a strip mall, plaza, like right basically outside the sub. Didn't even have to cross a main road or anything like that. Um in that strip plaza was a tubby submarine shop. We'd go get like a like a little sub with our money for the week our lines and we'd have always some money left over go right next door to the local card shop and buy a pack of cards or two. And that was probably the best Saturday afternoon you could ask for as a young kang right there. And nowadays I feel like when you have a you know a real job, you grow up and you have more disposable income. You can buy the cards that you never get to pack pull as a kid. Because I gotta tell you, I had terrible, terrible pack luck as a kid. I would, of course, pull occasional Jordans and some inserts, but nothing, nothing crazy big, nothing really uh, too expensive. And then now looking back at it, a lot of the stuff was not really worth anything. It was the '90s junk wax era where they overprinted and overproduced a ton of stuff. Um, so, at the time, you didn't know that, but you thought, okay, well, I'm just going to keep all these cards. I'm going to put them in a shoebox, throw them underneath my bed, and in 20 years, I'm going to be a millionaire. <laughs> or in 20 years... Or whatever it is, I'll be able to pay off my student loans, pay for college, things like that. And uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case, because they did produce so many cards back then. And that's why they're probably affordable as well. But there were, you know, and if you follow the 90s and things like that, there are definitely a lot of cards that are worth a lot of money now, the more rare cards. And we'll get to that more in future episodes. But as far as it was concerned for me, uh, I did not pull any of those rare Grail cards or anything like that. Although I did have some nice cards, nothing crazy. But fast forwarding, like I said, to moving up as an adult, you have some disposable income, and then you can buy those cards that you never got when you were younger never were able to pack pull. Because as a kid, a $50 card might as well have been a million-dollar card. It might as well have been a Honus Wagner or Mickey Mantle because I wasn't affording that. I was lucky to go into a card shop with like 10 bucks. If I had $20, it might as well have been Christmas. So to be able to get a pack of cards... For so cheap back then, you know, I don't take that for granted because prices, especially post-pandemic, have gone up a lot. Now they seem to be tabling off a little now, but still more than I think maybe, you know, your average kid would spend. You know, I mostly see adults out there and I go to card shows probably once a week, once every other week. And we're lucky here in Michigan, uh, we have card shows almost on a weekly basis. Uh, Now, it depends how far you want to drive, of course, but there's going to be a card show going on somewhere almost every weekend. Uh, Google it. Look it up on Facebook. There could be a card show going on downriver. There could be a card show going on Royal Oak. There could be a card show going in Flint. There's a great big Lansing show that happens once uh, every couple months, I think now, or once a month. West side of Michigan has card shows. So you just got to look, and you'll find there's card shows All the time around here, we're very lucky. And on top of that, speaking as as a kid, when I used to go to my local card shop, I didn't really look for other card shops. And now, as an adult, I do. We have a lot of local card shops, and there's a lot of new local card shops opening up because so many people, maybe my age or around my age, that have been like relit that fire of collecting and want to make it maybe their job and career, if not just at least maybe a side gig, but. I see a lot of that happening. And so I drive through and I'll, there'll be card shops I didn't even know existed. Maybe I wasn't looking hard enough. Maybe they're too hidden. But you probably have a local card shop by you. You just got to find it if you live here in Michigan. Because um, I've gone to other states. And, you know, when I have some free time, try to look up a card shop. And we're not, they're not as fortunate. As many other states, it's sometimes you got to drive quite a ways to find a local card shop. Because other than that, then, that you know... That's where you get your hobby boxes and, and buy singles and things like that, even supplies. Because maybe, other than that, then you have a... You got to go to your Walmart, your Target, Meyer, or whatever, you know. I know a lot of retail places started picking up on cards because it became so so popular. I mean, Dollar Trees, gas stations, uh, some grocery stores. But yeah, but nothing beats a local card shop because that's... uh where you can really you know that's where collectors go and that's what I consider myself I'm not an expert I don't you know know everything but I'm gonna interview experts and that's what I'm gonna do on this podcast I'm gonna interview almost uh, definitely on a weekly basis Uh, I'll put out a podcast once or twice a week maybe three times depending on what's going on but I'm gonna interview experts in the hobby industry whether it's about sports trading cards whether it's about sports memorabilia whether it's about collecting toys coins Uh, Funko Pops. Like I said, if you can collect it, I'm going to try to talk about it. If you want me to interview a guest, a certain guest, if you want me to talk about a certain topic, please let me know. Email me at kangcollects at gmail.com. That's K-H-A-N-G collects at gmail.com.
1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: I will try to answer or try to get to as many guests as I can that you want me to interview. I'm going to interview hobby heavyweights, auction house people, local card shop owners, collectors, investors. Uh, I'll try to get as many topics as I can that you want me to get to. I'll do a, maybe a mailbag uh, one day where I just kind of go through questions that you guys have and get, you know, kind of quick hit a bunch of topics and things like that. If you're into investing, I have no issue with investors, it's part of the hobby now. If you want to try to, you know, make some money, Flip some cards and things like that, and who to what prospects to buy into, what prospects to sell out of. We will talk about all that. Uh, This is for the you know, like I said, it's the collectibles podcast. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna have uh, my next podcast. I'm gonna have a big heavyweight hobby, heavyweight, and industry guy that you know. Started out as a collector, just like I did, but made it a career and is making a great career out of it. And it's, he was doing something he loves. And he, it's not just sports training cards. He collects uh, video games, autographs, things like that. So I can't wait to have him on in the next podcast. But he is uh, he's very knowledgeable in a lot of things in the collecting industry. So we'll, that's going to be a fun one. But like I said, uh, you guys can determine where the show goes and what you want me to talk about and who to talk to. If you like the show, if you like the podcast, please subscribe, tell a friend, tell a family member. Um, it helps out a lot. Subscribe. You can download Kang Collects, that's K-H-A-N-G Collects Podcasts on Odyssey or anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh hopefully you guys enjoy and hopefully you know I can do more of these. It's nice to get away sometimes from just, you know talking the sports that I do every single day, and this is still sports-related. A lot of it is, you know. I I mean, I'm going to be talking... I don't know a ton about Pokemon, but I'm going to get some Pokemon experts on here, and if you enjoy that kind of stuff, I'm going to... I'd love learning about that stuff, too. So I'll do... I'll have an episode on that. I'll have an episode on collecting guitars or, you know, video games, like I mentioned earlier, pinball machines, whatever. I just love that whole world of collecting, And and I hope that, if anything, it's entertaining, and also... It helps, you know, helps us learn more about other, you know, what other people collect and what they enjoy. Records is another thing. I have a couple of people in the record and music industry that I'm going to talk to about what, what records are worth money. Uh, is there a market for that kind of industry where you can collect, you know, things, things of that nature? I want to make sure to touch on pretty much everything I can touch on, and you're not going to be able to do that all in one episode. That's why I'm just going to keep, you know, you can go back and look at previous episodes and and topics that you might want to hear about and, and listen on those. I mean, there's so much going on with modern collecting right now with Fanatics and Panini and, you know, who's going to be making cards in the future, who can make cards right now. So there's so much to talk about, but in the end, I'm a collector at heart. As I said earlier, I started collecting when I was a kid and uh, got into it so much so that me and a couple buddies actually decided to try and sell some of our cards. So what we did was I looked it up and I can't believe I actually did this to this day. I, I took the initiative and looked it up and found out when the sports trading card show was going to be at Gibraltar and Mount Clemens. And they used to have one, I forget if it was once a month or once every couple months, but you know there was a weekend where they would have a show or just selling sports training cards. And so me and two other buddies, we gathered up all our cards. We had rented out a table or bought a table and went up there for the weekend and tried to sell our cards. And we priced everything off of Beckett because that's what you did back then. You just used Beckett. You know, I don't, you know, I don't think people are using eBay and other things like that for comps really then. And it was just Beckett. And that's what we priced off. And we probably barely made any money, made money probably enough just to pay for our table and maybe get a slice of pizza and a pop. But it was a great time. And you know what, it was just all about having fun and collecting. And that's what I, you know, that's what I miss is just the fun aspect of it. And I love chasing cards that you thought you could never get. I love buying cards, whether it's really low-end to to high-end. I just like filling in the gaps and the holes of cards I don't have. I think some of these cards artistically look great, especially the 90s. I'm a 90s collector. That's where my heart is, but I have nothing against, you know, I enjoy vintage because of just how, to me, that stuff is like should be in museums. It's like, you know, artifacts. And then the ultra-modern stuff, it's always great to see the next, you know, great young players in their sport come up. And you can chase autographs and parallels and things like that. So there's going to be... There's just so much to talk about. And hopefully we can, you know, enjoy this ride together again. It's new for some people or other people are getting back into it and other people have been here the whole time. So I can't wait to, to talk more about it and share with you guys on this podcast. Until the next time, keep collecting.